When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Coogan Cassis. It's not the start of our conversation, is it? It's not the start of our conversation. You can pretend that this is the start of the interview, but we've just been going at it for about 45 minutes and you didn't turn the damn camera on. All the juicy stuff they didn't hear. So you can do the DCs, Coogan Cassius, but you and I both know we've been here for the best part of an hour. Why are you being weird? Let me just do my that's start. Not, you would not, never do that on any easy. other outlet, that's, ever. You would never interrupt an, out, like, an intro. This, I don't have this relationship with anyone else, but just I just want you to acknowledge that we've been at it for about an hour. Yeah. And no one's going to know what we're talking about because obviously we're not going to talk about should it. I so what, Should I tell you what we've been talking about? Not really. Not unless you... No. Not. You let them guess it. Let them guess. No. We've been having we have interesting discussions and heated discussions all the time. Yeah. Just haven't done it for a while. Anyway, this is Coon Cassis for IFL TV, That's proudly sponsored by Everlast. I'm joined by well, originally I can't say, but you are a good trainer. One of the good trainers in the country. Adam Booth, how are you, mate? I'm all right, mate. You okay? Yeah, all good, all good. Um this, you are blending in with this background, the chair, the curtains. Your Caramac tan. Is it Caramac? The little bar. Yeah, it's a very, this is a very 70s vibe going on here, you got. It's like 70s porn, that's what it looks like. Not I'm an expert in 70s porn, I'm just saying. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. Right, you have uh, Samuel Antwi in action tonight. Um, let me word this correctly. Bit of a random one for you to be working with Samuel Antwi, who I've kind of seen over the years, but how did that relationship Start. Can, I, can I just go back to your face? No one saw that perplexed expression on your face then well, when you tried to ask me that question as to how I ended up working with Sam. Yeah. So I've known Sam for a while because he sparred with Josh Kelly a few times and he's always um, given Josh some nice little problems to try and solve. Uh, and then he uh, spoke to me a few months ago and asked if I'd help him with a couple of things. And, and here we are. And Boxer uh, gave him the fight against Echo Esman for the British title, which he lost, which I, watching it, thought he could have won, but just didn't perform. Um, asked if he could come to the gym. He's got some great sparring in the gym with Josh Abbas Barrow and Harlem Eubank. 
we started working together. Uh, we want to get through this fight tonight, which is a six rounder, uh, and hopefully get him straight back into the British title mix. But at this level, you do, you truly believe that Samuel is of that level of British standard, yeah? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Like, and Echo Essman's a good fighter. Yeah. I thought Sam would win. And when I watched the fight, I was surprised that Sam just didn't perform. And there's a number of reasons for that. And we're just going to see. I, like, I think he's a really good fighter and he's a really decent dude as well. And, uh, and he's great sparring in the gym. And so I want to see if I can help him achieve his potential. In action later on, live on Sky Sports. Um, Hardman Eubank in action on Channel 5 next Friday at York Hall. Um, we're still waiting. We're waiting. For Harlem. Yeah. What are you waiting for? For Harlem to what? You know what I mean. We're waiting for Harlem. Like, he had those fights uh, two or three years ago. Uh, McDonough, etc. And, and these guys that he was very impressive against. Um, do you think kind of things have been a little bit up and down in terms of opponents and kind of progression for Harlem or no, not? No, 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 not at all. So he beat Danny Darko and yeah. McDonough in two good competitive fights, good performances. He's now got his own home promoter in Wasserman. He's had one year with them and five fights. And in those fights, he has evolved as a fighter. He's become a main event fighter on Channel 5. So now he's getting exposure that goes along with his talent, desire and family name. And it's now time for him this year to get four fights in as main event on Channel 5 with progression towards significant championship level before the end of the year. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't saying it's a negative thing. It was almost a... Uh, it was a, a bit of a criticism. No, it wasn't a criticism because I'm a big fan of Harlem Newbank and I always have been uh, ever since uh, the first time I watched him box. I just mean, is it the stage now, those fights with Darko and McDonough were a while ago now, where he is now, those kind of fights, take notice fights that maybe also, not for, just for his progression, but gives him kind of the public um, attention as well. Um, a Jew, but you've just answered that anyway. Yeah, and, and like I said, like every fighter come to, turns pro with different levels of amateur experience. Harlem had hardly any. He's had to learn on the job, in the shadows, which he has done. He's evolved as a fighter in the gym and in the fights that he's had and the challenges that he's had. And like I said, this year is going to be the year now where we see the levels that he can bounce up into. Okay, live in action, Channel 5, next week at your call. Do you miss training a heavyweight? Not at all, no. Like, so I, you ain't got to wear them stilts, because you're quite... Sh you used to wear them they stilt things. No, they were like gothic boots with a seven-inch platform. That's what they were. I wonder what you were going to say then. <laughs> they were gothic boots. You talk about the ones that I wore yeah. when Hay fought Valuer. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a bit of an extreme example, to be honest with you. Valuer, who was about 12 foot tall. Yeah, no, wearing those boots isn't my problem. My problem is that heavyweights hit hard, you know, and as I get older, my little brittle bones and muscles get achy. And I love playing golf. So if I'm going to wreck my arms, I'd rather do it with guys that aren't heavyweights. You've had spells, haven't you? You had a little spell with David Price. You've had a spell with uh, Mike Perez as well. But, yeah, just, you know. David Hay was that good. I probably could have trained David Hay, to be honest. <laughs> Thanks for that. There goes my body of work. 
No, but you not you don't miss that at all. No, I don't really I haven't really given it that much thought. I don't necessarily choose the weight of the fighters that end up working with me. It's not like that. But I just happen to have a bunch of guys that sort of range between ten and eleven stone at the moment. No, it's just really been interesting after kind of the Hay era with you to have seen you How, work. Why don't you yeah. get your ass out of bed in the morning, start training, become my next heavyweight sensation then? Do you think, we've had this conversation before, do you think you could get me to area title level? Forget, forget, forget area title, there's a whole new world of boxing that you could dive into. Oh, would you train me for misfits? I'd train you to fight KSI. Absolutely not, no. Jake Paul? Why? Why? I'm not a boxer, I never pretend to be. But, um, I don't know, if the figures were right, still not. I'm 40, come on, mate. I don't need to see a video of me getting knocked out by someone who runs a cooking channel for my daughter to see that in the years to come. On the internet forever. Who runs a cooking channel? No, I'm just using an example. Like, you're famous for anything like now, aren't you? I'm matching you against Delia Smith. <laughs> I could do. Try to. Ainsley Harriet. <laughs> um, Josh Kelly. Um, what's the situation with him currently? Um, working on a fight date. Next fight date, he should fight two or three times this year. Um, had a nice break after the Troy Williamson fight because although he only boxed three times last year, he actually trained for through five camps because a couple fell out. Um, so I gave him a break after the Troy fight. He's back in the gym, started sparring, and we're looking at working towards a date, hopefully sort of May time. After that period out for Josh, which obviously you've spoken about and Josh has spoken about, it must be really satisfying to have Josh Kelly back in this mix now. And the fight with Williamson in December last year was a big pressure fight for him because there was a lot of people that tipped Williamson to beat him. And going there, um, it was a pressure fight for him, which he come through. But it must be good to have kind of Josh Kelly, people talking about Josh Kelly again. It's actually nice just having Josh Kelly being Josh Kelly again. And... You know, he's spoken publicly about the, the obstacles and the battles he had to overcome that had nothing to do with his ability as a fighter. It was all about him as a young man. And so, you know, to have been involved and with him through that journey has been, you know, real, real, we've bonded much more. And, and I understand so much more about him now as he's understanding more about himself and what it's going to, you know, we, we, we say all the time that, Fighting's ninety percent mental. That anyone can get fit, but to actually perform under the spotlights, it's it's all it's mental. And it was the mental side of things that Josh was struggling with, away from the gym and away from the ring, that ultimately played out. And so, you know, over the uh, that period of time, and watching him evolve and mature and develop an understanding of himself mentally and emotionally, led to the start of his next chapter and the start was the performance against Troy where he's now starting to show everyone what we see all the time in the gym. Am I the only one that still looks at Josh Kelly and Conor Ben as still a potential fight? I actually still like that fight. I know Conor Ben's obviously got his own situations going on and the opponents, whether it's Eubank, Brooke, whoever he's going to fight next, but am I... The only one that actually still <laughs> likes that fight between Josh Kelly and Conor Ben. Well, no, I mean, if if that fight got offered, I'd take it without any hesitation. Eddie, um, for a long time, was 
really hot on that fight and now now he's not but you know Conor Ben's got his own trajectory his own life his own problems to sort out um, and you know Josh Kelly's career doesn't evolve around one opponent it's about Josh being Josh but yeah if I was offered that fight I'd take it in a heartbeat and I think it would be a an entertaining build up and a fantastic match up but I'm not too sure it will happen it's mad, isn't it? Because a few years ago, I remember literally the, the only talk around any fight for Conor Ben or for Josh Kelly was each other. Like, it was relentless for a while. And then, obviously, situations happened. Obviously, Josh had that fight with um, Avenician. But that was that was the fight of that division here in this country, wasn't it? Yeah, <clears throat> and I've learned to never say never in this business, right? So, well, it might not be now, but you never know what's down the line. Now... May 27th, hoping to have a new world champion for yourself and for Ireland and for everyone. And for Mick. <laughs> yeah, and for Mick as well. Yeah. Yeah, big opportunity for Mick. Obviously, we've seen Lopez um, last time out. Was that his last fight? It was, wasn't it? Yeah, against Warrington. Um, yeah, difficult fight. There are no easy routes to a belt in the featherweight division. It's a stacked division. You look at it. You want to be world champion. You're going to know there's going to be, you know some some world champions over the years have had some touches along the way to pick up a belt. That's not happening in the featherweight division at the moment. Um, you know, and you got to, I respect all these guys because they're all you know fighting each other. And, and look at the fight that Mick had with Lee Wood, fight of the year here and fight of the year in America as well. Um, Warrington's in the mix, but all of a sudden gets beat by Lopez who's proven to be an absolute handful at championship level, and that's the opportunity that's presented itself to Mick. Um, interesting, because, yeah, I think the first note of, of Lopez in this country really was when he come and beat Isaac Lowe uh, at York Hall uh, two or three years ago. Um, but then, obviously, after the Warrington win received, and rightfully so as well, that name is a handful for anyone so yeah Mick's got to be on it on 27th of May yeah but um, Mick's kind of mastered the art of being on it so to speak and he's got galvanised a lot galvanised a lot of experience over the last year and a half or last year and uh, we are supremely excited and phenomenally confident that he becomes IBF world champion on May 27th live on BT Sport and top rank ESPN. Abbas Baru, talk to me, what's the situation with him currently? So Abbas had uh, shoulder surgery last year, which has kept him out of the ring for a long time. He's on, he's on the undercard of Harlem's show next Friday. He's mandatory for the EBU uh, against Milan Pratt, and we expect that to either go to purse bids or get agreed pretty soon after next Friday. Okay. Um, Rumours are that Shannon Courtney will f challenge Nina Hughes in the summer. Um, June the 10th, I think, there's been a date that's been touted. Can you tell us anything more about that? Yeah, um, the, it's definitely the fight that's been offered and accepted. There's nothing else to discuss other than what date it's going to fall on. And it sort of bounces from April to May and possibly now June. But it will be her next fight. Obviously, she's been out injured for a while, so how's that kind of 
progression gone regarding her injury? Well, actually, the timeouts probably helped her because it was a, a cruciate reconstruction that she had. Ironically, happened in sparring with Nina Hughes. Correct. Yes, I actually did know that. Yeah. Ironically, or coincidentally, which I think I used the wrong word, but yeah, she was sparring with Nina, went down like a sack of spuds, screaming and holding her knee, and it turned out that she'd ripped her crucial ligament. But very interesting fight. Obviously, Shannon's, um, yeah, uh, already had that belt. So, yeah, Nina Hughes did very well out in Dubai, when was it, a few months ago, to capture that belt. So this should be very interesting. Oh, yeah, it's going to be a war, that one. It's, gonna, it's evenly matched. Have I missed any of your fighters? Well, now you're putting me on the spot. Who do you mention? Do you mention Josh, Harlem, Mick, Sam, Abbas and Shannon? We good? You ain't signed no one in the last... You? 40 minutes? You? Oh, I couldn't I couldn't deal with you. If I was trying, training for like a... You me? No, I think you'd drive me mad. If <laughs> if I was training for one of these crossover boxing fights, which I probably could... Is that what we're calling it now? Crossover boxing? What would you... Or influencer boxing? I'm not an influencer, but I'm saying crossover boxing. You say you're not an influencer? No, I'm not an influencer. Did you, didn't you say that you've had one billion views or something? Yeah, but I'm not an influencer, am I? Are you sponsored? Yes. Bye. Sports Direct. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay. Um, always like to get your opinions on other subjects because you're uh, an expert in... Jack of all trades. What is it? <laughs> Jack of all trades, master of none. What is that? Yeah. Yeah, that's the same. Is that you? Is that you? I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> what have you made of this situation with Tyson Fury and Alexander Usyk? Because it seemed to be in a mess, and a lot of public negotiations via social media from both sides, from Usyk's team, him, and also Tyson Fury's side. But it's looking likely that we're not going to see this undisputed heavyweight clash. That. I'm sure you want to see, I want to see, and the whole world wants to see. Uh, what have you made of it? I haven't actually watched that much of it. All I know is that it was agreed at 70.30. That surprised me. <coughs> um, and, then it ain't that, and then it ain't happening for some reason. I was surprised that it was agreed at 70.30, and I'm disappointed that it's not happening, because mm. that would have been a legacy fight. The... Much talks about 70-30 split in favour of Tyson Fury. Um, you were surprised what the Usyk was going to take 30%, yeah? Um, yes, I can un I can understand Tyson's approach to that, that I'm the one that's 
got the big following, I'm the draw, you're not the financial draw, which is why you're coming to this country for your bigger fights. So I can understand, like, commercially that was his stance. But in the same token, Tyson's got the opportunity to have all the belts. And I think once you've got more money than you need, you can still make a ton load of more money, but also have all the belts. Be a shame if it didn't happen because Tyson could have all the belts. What is your view on who actually wins that fight if it was to happen? It's looking unlikely for April 29th. It could happen in the future, but what is your view on who actually wins that fight? I just think I think Tyson's too big, um, too tougher now in the heavyweight division. Where you, you see him getting dropped by big shots by the hardest punches in the heavyweight division and getting up. He's big, mobile, long arms, knows how to impose himself, can win pretty and can win ugly. And I think he's, he's savvy of knowing how to manage different moments and settle the man down in front of him, whether that's nullifying him long or leaning on him and mauling him up close. I think that would have taken its toll on Usyk in the second half of the fight. How much of an awkward fighter, in your opinion, is Alexander Usyk? He looks a nightmare for anyone. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't think he's as awkward as Tyson. Tyson's arms are longer than any heavyweight I've seen. And Usyk is a polished performer of the highest grade. But he's a cruiserweight. And I know full well the difference between a world-class cruiserweight and a genuine big super heavyweight who's proved himself to be top of the pile in that division. And... In that fight, Tyson would have proved that there is a reason why we have weight divisions. Okay. Where does uh, Anthony Joshua fit into all this? Obviously, he's fighting Jermaine Franklin um, next Saturday at the O2. Where does he fit into the picture at the moment? He fits. He fits right there. Like he's, you know, he's only a moment in time away from being back in the at the top level again. Um, I think he's done a really smart thing in. The way that he has moved and changed his training setup, and the fight that he's coming back with as well, I think it's, I think he's done that perfectly, and he is there, right? He's an established heavyweight, former world champion, only lost to, and lost his belts recently to Usyk, and I think with some improvements and some adjustments, he's going to be in the biggest fights again. And what do you think about him? working now with his third trainer in his last three fights? What do I think of it? It's a risk, but it, it, you know, it's a big risk that can give big rewards or prove to be a big mistake. But like, I'm a firm believer time shows everything. And he's, I think he's with a coach in a gym environment that's going to help him. Good fighters need good fighters around them. And in that gym, he's certainly got that. And I think that you know if he can absorb that, I think he'll humble himself enough to to be coachable and taught. You could see some effective improvements. You won't see necessarily drastic changes in him because he's been what he's been for so long. But you only have sometimes you only have to make some subtle little adjustments and they have quite significant outcome changes. What can Derek James offer to that, the subtle changes? We know, obviously, it's not going to be an element of completely changing his style. Why would he do that? We know his attributes. But what can Derek James, from what you know of Derek James or sin of Derek James, offer to that? I don't know. 
enough about Derek James. I've never I've never met him. I've never worked with him. So you'd need to ask him that. But he's working at the highest level as a professional coach, and when you're working continually at that level, you see things and you implement things. And the the important thing is that AJ respects what he's been told enough to make the move there. It's going to be interesting to see what those little subtle changes are from a coaching perspective. It's going to be fascinating. Just a, a general question here. Does it matter that if you're kind of a world-level trainer and you've worked with multiple champions, etc., and it, if you haven't worked with someone specifically like a heavyweight, but you are working with a heavyweight, what, like, do you understand what I'm asking? What can... Is there an argument that if he hasn't, or a trainer hasn't worked with a heavyweight in the past, um, does that have anything to do with actually how that relationship would go? No, don't think so. Okay, a good coach that knows his craft should be able to work with anyone. I think it's I think it's harder the other way around. I think it's harder to go from if you've only worked with heavyweights to, work with to smaller, older guys yeah. because you're working at a completely different tempo. It's easier as a coach to slow down a tempo and be more deliberate. It's harder to speed it up. You know, like if you go from example a David Hay to a Ryan Burnett in from my experience, there's a big adjustment to be made. Or an Andy Lee to a Ryan Burnett, yeah. big adjustment because there you've got a certain rhythm, a certain tempo and certain skill sets to some someone that is seems to be working three or four times uh, at the rate and as a coach that can be a you know it's a real head spinner especially on the pads and when you're trying to break down and analyze technique because it's it's a lot easier to see in heavyweights because the movements are a bit slower and you can read them easier when when smaller fighters are that quick it's almost imperceptible sometimes the timing that you're working with that's much harder so i think going from sort of super welters and middleweights to a heavyweight is uh, probably a more comfortable way of doing it. Thank you. That was just a, a question that I wanted answered, to be honest with you. Well, what about Deontay Wilder? Where does he fit into the picture? Deontay's one right hand away from being on everyone's lips again, isn't he? He is. I mean, the fights that he's had with Tyson and his knockout percentage and his personality, his character, everything about him, just screams that you might not be talking about him now, but one shot on the chin of someone and he becomes a name on everyone's lips again. Yeah, interesting. Obviously, he's had that one fight since um, the last Fury loss to Robert Hellenius, which he, expectedly or not, um, yeah, knocked him out emphatically. But he he's a big player still in this division, isn't he? And I think that he's obviously been a bit inactive, but... Yeah, he, you could match him up with literally any of these fighters uh, to produce a great fight. Yeah. yeah, I mean, what if you matched AJ with him? Are you going to watch that? Yeah. People are going to pay for that, right? Yeah. What if you match Usyk against him? Yeah. So he's in there, and, and maybe Andy Ruiz Jr. becomes a factor again in the heavyweight division as well. So there are some, you know, mouth-watering fights to be made. I just hope they get made. One of them, probably the biggest one of them, was Tyson against Usyk. If that doesn't happen, that will probably be the biggest shame in the division. But testament to division that we could quite quickly get over that if we end up with AJV Fury or a Fury V Wilder. Uh, sorry, AJV Wilder. It could we could quickly forget about AJ and Usyk. That's how stacked it seems to be at the moment.
Dan Udebois. That's the... Hang on a second. Go on. This is bad, man. What about Joe Joyce? We're coming to Joe Joyce. The the one that no one wants to talk about. (laughs) Joe Joyce. People don't want to talk about him so much that me, who used to be his coach, forgets to mention his name. He's the one that everyone knows. If I'm (laughs) fighting Joe Joyce, I need to get well paid because the risk and the gain here needs to match up. Joe, even if he's 55 years old, is going to be a handful for anyone. He's kind of like uh, our version of George Foreman. Isn't he? Just this relentless, heavy-handed, immovable freak of nature. It's a shame, I keep saying this, it's a shame that Joe Joyce isn't nine, ten years younger, isn't it? It's a shame. You don't understand what I mean. Yeah, do, yeah. But it's probably more of a shame that he's not spoken about more, that he's not commercially a little bit more viable. And remember, in my opinion, he won that final in the Olympics. Right, yeah. he beat Yoka, so we could have had an Olympic gold medalist off the back of those Aiba judges. So AJ wins the gold medal and becomes the heavyweight starlet. Joe should have been given the Olympic gold medal and become the next one, and then we would be talking about him in a different light. But we're not. I just hope that Joe gets the um, gets the fights that he deserves. But I know that all of them are going to look at Joe and think it's not the fight I choose to have. <laughs> I don't blame him, but he's in action, obviously, in two weeks' time against uh, Zhang uh, on Frank Warren's show, live on BT Sport. Um, my question there before that, but, yeah, you're rightfully... Um, I steadied you up there, didn't I? No, I was going to mention every heavyweight in the world before we finished. Um, Daniel Dubois, this is a potential fight now for Alexander Usyk. Is Daniel Dubois ready for an Alexander Usyk? I haven't studied Daniel enough. From what I've seen so far, no. Save for the fact that it's the heavyweight division and the fact that Daniel's got fantastic static balance and can throw a mean straight right hand. And if if Usyk moved into that, it's a type of shot in the heavyweight division that can be a fight changer. If in absence of that shot landing, I think that maybe Daniel just needs a little bit more time to develop as a fighter before, you know, sharing the ring with a master craftsman. But obviously opportunity in boxing, when it presents itself, sometimes you have to weigh that up. And if that's the the option at the time, the best option, uh, then sometimes you have to take that, yeah? Yeah, of course, yeah. And and. If anything, like it's the type of fight for Daniel, it's a it's a no lose situation because he fights who's sick and loses. People expect him to lose. If he fights and wins, all of a sudden he's opened up a a significant future. So I, I would I would certainly understand why Daniel would take it in a sporting context. I'd say probably not ready for it, but in a management context, what you got to lose? Yeah. Um, Dillian White. Obviously returned after he's lost to Fury last year with a win over Jermaine Franklin, who's fighting Anthony Joshua uh, next week. But he's still relevant in this heavyweight division, surely. Yeah, but I've not heard much about Dillian lately. Can you enlighten me? Well, I can't really tell you any more on potentially when he's going to fight. There was talk of him fighting AJ in the summer, etc. But I haven't really heard anything, whether it's from Hearn or whoever, 
to address when he'll actually make a return. His last fight was now five months ago. So, yeah, I think we're kind of waiting. But as an active person in this heavyweight mix, he's surely in there, isn't he? I think so, yeah. I think so. But then also so is uh, Andy Ruiz Jr. as well. There's a lot of there's a lot of British heavyweights that we're talking about, but on the other side of the pond, it's Deontay and for me Andy Ruiz Jr. as well. It's a, it's a it's a lit division. We just need the fights made. Absolutely. Well, listen, I do appreciate that you need to go and sort your hair out, put your best clothes on to head down to the arena shortly. What? No, I'm just wondering when you're going to try and make the ending all weird. It's not going to be weird because we're just going to end it. A little handshake. Well, that's weird for a start. Why? Because you've got weird hands. Huh? You've got weird hands. <laughs> Adam Booth, thank you very much for talking to IFL TV. I do like talking to you, um, like, off camera. These ones are weird, but off camera, yeah, I do like talking to you. Should we get back to the discussion we had before you turned it on then? No, that was a private conversation. You can go back to it once you turn the camera off. If you want, if you find it necessary. I think I said what I said. I did. No, you didn't. You went into your bunker. You're a sheep. <laughs> a sheep. <laughs> Follow. I'm joking. No, Calm no, down. No, 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 no. That's an interesting assessment. I'd like to hear your reasoning behind that. Let's turn the camera off and I'll explain what I mean. You're, you're going to explain to me privately why I'm a sheep. Yeah, yeah turn your camera off. <laughs> Adam Boo, thank you very much for talking to IFL TV. Best of luck with Samuel Antwi tonight, and I'm sure we'll grab a word with him and yourself after his fight. Sweet. Oh! Sports Social Podcast Network.